What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back and glad to have you back in for another episode of the Format Podcast. Got some good stuff today with college football getting rolling, the NBA Conference Finals, and the NFL up and running. But before we get to that stuff, let's get the particulars out of the way. First and foremost, if you're a returning listener, thanks for the love and support. I definitely appreciate it. If you're a new listener, thanks for taking the time out to check out the pod. No matter if you're a new listener or old listener, though, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review on the show. It'll really help us out. And the better the reviews I get, the higher the show will rise in the rankings. So if you love it, show it. Also, if you enjoy it, don't keep it to yourself. Share the show with anyone you know who loves some good sports talk, because that's what we're all about here at the Format Podcast. Next up, if you want to reach out, you could definitely catch me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Bruce F.A. Hope. That's at Bruce F.A. Hope. I'm also on Instagram at The Format Podcast. That's at The Format Podcast. You can give me a shout there. Tell me where I was right. Tell me where I was wrong. If you love the show, if you hate the show, tell me I'm an idiot. Just tell me why. We can talk about it. Love or hate, I'm cool with it. I just love the interaction. Finally, you can always email me at theformatpodcast at outlook.com. That's theformatpodcast at outlook.com. You can suggest topics for the show or anything else you like. So now we got that done, let's get to it. Week one's in the books in the NFL and week two is underway. In college football, the Big Ten is scheduled to get back underway next month and the Pac-12 is working on it. And we'll discuss Lincoln Riley's greatness and the Oklahoma Sooners. In the NFL, it's a new age for the black quarterback. Is Tom Brady done? And Baker versus Burrow showed us some interesting things. Finally, in the NBA, it's conference title time. The Clippers choked. The Nuggets won't quit. And the Celtics are in big trouble. All that and a whole lot more. So sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 73 of The Format. you know where I'm going to start on the college football front with the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Who else? There weren't that many big games on TV last week, but the Irish opened up with a 27-13 win over Duke at home. I'm not going to get into it and break all that down because there's plenty of specific Notre Dame podcasts out there. Matter of fact, if you missed last week's episode, I had uh, Pete Sampson, the uh, Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic on, and he detailed uh, Notre Dame football and what we can expect this season. That was pretty cool. Um, Also, if you're interested in another really good Notre Dame football podcast, you can check out the Always Irish Notre Dame football podcast hosted by my main man, John Kennedy. Anyway, uh, so I'm not going to go ahead and, and break down Notre Dame football, but the point is... It was 27-13. It wasn't super impressive, but it was a win. They're 1-0. That's what you want. They clearly showed they have things to work on, but there was definitely flashes of things to be excited about if you're a Notre Dame football fan, namely a couple of five-star freshmen running back Chris Tyree out of Virginia who showed explosiveness in the return game and also got a couple of runs that looked pretty good. Also, 
number 87, Mike Mayer, five-star freshman, tight end out of Kentucky, who they call Baby Gronk. And if you watch this guy play, you'll see why they call him that. So definitely some things to be excited about uh, coming up this season for Notre Dame. Now, moving on from there, the Big Ten is going to be back on the field on October 24th. And it really is amazing to see just how much peer pressure can affect things. The Big Ten saw three of the other Power Five conferences playing football, and they felt pressure from everywhere. They get they got pressure from players signing petitions and parents who protested outside of the Big Ten headquarters in Indianapolis. They got plenty of pressure from some of the sports media. They even got pressure from the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. And finally, they caved in. And selfishly, I'm okay with that. I want to see Minnesota and Michigan and Michigan State and Wisconsin and Ohio State play. I want to see all that. I do. I get the safety issues. But as a college football fan, I can't lie. I do want to see it. And I'm happy that I will. Now, I'm upset about the cancellation before the season that ruined Notre Dame versus Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. Because obviously I was looking forward to that big matchup. But it is what it is. I'm definitely interested, though, to see how the Big Ten schedule aligns, and I'm interested in seeing whether or not the Big Ten champion will get a shot at the college football playoff. Just the timing makes that look really unlikely, but again, selfishly, I'd love to see it because if Ohio State's as good as they were last year, they have a really good chance of getting into the playoff, and who knows what would happen. We can say that, you know, last year, if Sean Wade doesn't get ejected on that BS targeting penalty on Trevor Lawrence, Ohio State wins. We can say that Justin Fields makes that last gas pass at the end of the game. They score a touchdown. Ohio State wins. They played Clemson, you know, right to the wire. Now, a loss is a loss. So, you know, there's there's no getting around that. But they are a good enough team to compete. And I would like to see them. It would likely be them get a chance at the college football playoffs. So we'll we'll see what happens. But just again, the timing of when the season is starting, it would probably be unlikely that they'd get in. So it is what it is now. What's interesting, also interesting, the Pac-12 is looking to come back as well. Now, we haven't heard anything concrete on that, but Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott was on the Dan Patrick Show earlier today, and he said the expectation for resuming football if the conference does, if the conference does, would be late October or early November, right? So the problem there is starting on Halloween, if you want to end at the normal time, leaves only a maximum of seven games before a Pac-12 championship game would be played in mid-December, the same weekend as the other Power 5 conferences and before the college football playoff selections on December 20th. So that would be the latest games of the Power 5 conferences. So if they want a shot at making it into the playoffs, which is unlikely anyway, but if they want a shot at their best team getting in, that's how they would have to play it. So who knows if they're going to go ahead and do that shortened season or play it all the way out. We'll find out. In the Big 12, the best team, as usual, is uh, looking like Oklahoma. And they'd most likely be the favorite team from the conference to get back to the college football playoff. They've been there a few times anyway. So this is the fourth straight season that the Sooners and head coach Lincoln Riley have a new starting quarterback. It was Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts, now sophomore Spencer Rattler. So here to discuss Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley's offensive genius, his quarterback play, the overall state of the team, and if the defense is improved enough to really contend for a national championship, is the host of the Burgers and Brats podcast, 
Braxton Poe. Braxton, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join the uh, Format Podcast. Hey, Bruce, you're welcome. I'm glad we can be talking again. Had you on a few months ago. Uh, it was fun, so I'm glad to be on your podcast this time. Absolutely, man. I, I really appreciate it. So let's let's get to it. I know you're an Oklahoma guy, so let's talk first about Lincoln Riley. How much of an offensive genius is he? That That guy, man. He is something special, isn't he? I mean, Oklahoma, they've been known for their offense last decade. Even though Bob Soups is a defensive guy, he brought in offense as well. And then just um, bringing in Lincoln Riley in 2015, just one of the best decisions Bob Soups ever made. I got this stat. So the last OU has scored 40 points in, their, in the last 45 of 69 games. Wow. 40 points. That's just remarkable. The dude's got two Heisman winners. He's got a runner-up in Jalen Hurts, who was not known for passing at Alabama. Right. More of a runner. He turned him into a Heisman um, runner-up. And he's 37-6 and six, uh, record, and he's got three college football playoff appearances as just the head coach and um, winning the Big 12 every year as well. We have not lost the Big 12 since he got here. So the dude... It's just remarkable. He is so, so smart coming from Mike Leach, uh, Ruffin McNeil, mm-hmm. all that spread offense uh, branches out of there. So uh, I, we are so lucky to have him here in Oklahoma. Just wish we could maybe get that past that semifinal round, mm-hmm. but this year could be different. Could be. And that's funny that, you know, you brought up all those uh, great points about his quarterbacks. And that's where I was going next because, you know, you look at it and you mentioned it. Year after year, this is a guy who gets a new quarterback, but he still either wins a Heisman or has a runner-up. Two Heismans in a row, and then, as you said, Jalen Hurts, the runner-up last year. So the question is, how is he doing this? What's special about him as a play designer, a teacher, and a play caller? Yeah, just the way he can dissect the defense, uh, how he can get big plays. Every game, um, they're just big plays, multiple big plays. Um, even last weekend, Spencer Rather had two plays of um, two touchdowns of over 50 yards. So he knows how to get his quarterbacks to hit the deep ball. And just coming from Mike Leach, man, that dude was the creator of the front runner of the spread offense. Just yeah, the air raid. Uh-huh. So just learning, having those mentors has helped a lot. I can agree with that. Um, so now Jalen Hurts is off to the NFL after being the Heisman runner-up and after making the playoff last season. As we know, last year, uh, Kyler Murray, Offensive Rookie of the Year and number one draft pick. Year before that, Baker Mayfield, number one draft pick, Offensive Rookie of the Year, sets the rookie record for quarterback pass uh, touchdown passes by a quarterback in the NFL. So all this, we've got to notice that, okay, the common denominator is Lincoln Riley. So now... You've got Spencer Rattler. He was the top dual threat quarterback in the country coming out of high school. And he sat last season and had the benefit of just watching and learning. So now he's the guy. And in his first start, he goes for 290 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a QBR of 97.7 on a scale of 1 to 100. That is insane. So the question now is, how good is Spencer Rattler? And how much of it is him? And how much of it is the scheme? I, it's, it's both. It is both. Uh, we've heard about Spencer Radley here since for about five years now, just waiting for him to get his start, for him to be the quarterback, the guy. He's played in games, but he hasn't he hasn't been in meaningful snaps yet. 
until this past weekend where he started. But you said, yeah, three um, incompletions. Two of them um, were drops. One was a perfect over-the-shoulder pass that the receiver just dropped. So he should have been 15 of 17 for um, over 300 yards and five touchdowns. But not a bad stat at all. Yes, it was Missouri State. But um, first start as in his young career, young great career, and he had a 303 passing efficiency, which was an OU and Big 12 freshman record. I mean, this dude is living up to the hype. First game, yes. But as you can um, look back at Jalen, Kyler, and Baker's starts, they all went out and played great their first game. And they all had great careers here. So I think it's just the beginning of Spencer Rattler. Should be a fun season. Um, hopefully Heisman. Looks like he's going to be a contender and most likely a candidate when it's all said and done. That's fair enough. So let's go to the other side of the ball. And this is where Oklahoma has had problems that has kept them from advancing in the college football playoff. Now, last year they ran into what is arguably an all-time buzzsaw in, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and those LSU Tigers running that that scheme uh, from uh, Joe Brady, who's now the OC with the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, that was an all-time great offensive unit in college football. But other than that, OU has been able to pretty much keep up with anyone in terms of scoring points. The defense is what's let them down. So my question to you is, is the defense improved from last season? And what can we look for on that front? And if so, what type of improvements has defensive coordinator Alex Grinch tried to make? Man, what a hire Lincoln Riley did in bringing Alex Grinch. Because Mike Stoops, uh, Ruffin and Neil were not working out on our defense inside the ball before he got here. It And last year, we had, we had a very much improved defense it didn't mm-hmm. look like it in the playoff um so people were still getting on to us for that but the big 12 uh probably one of the best offensive if not the best offensive conferences in the country um overall before Alex Grinch got here we are 114 our defense was ranked 114 and in 2019 the year after we jumped all the way up to 38 in total defense so a huge huge jump in just one year and Alex Grinch has done this his whole career our biggest weakness, though, tackling and turnovers. We barely got any turnovers uh, the few years before. Didn't get many last year, but we did steadily improve. So hopefully that $1.8 million we're paying him a year <laughs> pays off in this next year. Um, defense looked great. Shut out our opponent, Missouri State. Uh, oh, they're not a great team, but uh, a shutout is a shutout no matter what, especially when your starters don't play in the second half. Right. So defense is looking a lot better and should be better, especially for a college football playoff run. Especially since the Big 12 does not look as good this year. Offenses don't look as great. It's going to be OU Texas again. So see how they step up against Texas last year. Nine sacks. Uh, which was a record then so we'll see what happens yeah that's interesting that you brought that up because going into the season i did hear that texas might have a chance of being the team out of the big 12 but ou is still the favorite and you look at probably the only other team in the big 12 that's been really uh competent and dangerous the last couple years offensively would be baylor baylor and iowa state are the other two probably best teams in the big 12 baylor's head coach matt rule is uh off to the nfl coaching the carolina panthers so you gotta expect in year one of a new regime they're gonna take a step back not sure what iowa state is gonna be able to do um so oklahoma has to be the favorite how worried are you about texas Texas, I mean, every year, every out, or every year, in and out, 
that game does not matter what your record is, what your opponent's record is going into that game. Anything can happen. We've seen years where you know, OU's been favored by 20 and they lose that game, or in 99 or when Texas is favored by 20 and they lose that game. So anything can happen in that game. It's a rivalry for a reason. But uh, as you were saying, Iowa State and Baylor, those are my two underdog picks for this year uh, coming out because Baylor, they didn't lose anyone besides Matt Rule. Matt Rule's a great coach. I, I love Matt Rule. But same team, uh, their game this weekend got postponed. But Iowa State, that was disappointing. Mm-hmm. That is just, that should not have happened. Uh, <laughs> Iowa State always starts slow losing to Iowa, and they usually bounce back after that. But after losing that game last week, I don't know if they can contend this year for the Big 12, even though they have Brock Purdy. Fair enough. So I guess my last question for you is, what do you think, not as a fan, but as an analyst, what do you think that uh, the season outlook is for the Oklahoma Sooners? Do we see another playoff berth? And if so, is this the year that maybe they break through and get to the championship game? I mean, obviously it depends on matchups, but what do you see in terms of how well they match up with the top teams in the country? So, I mean, without the Big Ten right now, we'll see, um, they're coming back, but we'll see what happens all you got to do is compete against Clemson and Alabama. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, beat Texas once, maybe twice in the Big 12. But um, before the season, it was looking pretty tough. We had K-State coming up next week, then Iowa State after. Those were going to be two tough games when both teams lose to the Sun Belt. And then you got Texas uh, the week after that. So it looks like our first test won't be till October 10th against Texas. And then we've got Oklahoma State um, November 21st and finish the season with Baylor. So those are the three games that are most um, that are going to determine the season. But as an OU fan, I know we hiccup every year. Doesn't matter. A team cannot be good, but we will hiccup to them. Uh, one year Iowa State at home, and then Texas, and then Baylor or K State. So one game probably worried about. As long as they get through Texas, it might be that Baylor game at the end. And once the season's winding down, uh, Oklahoma State should not be a problem. Uh, OU does very well against him. What eighty nine and seventeen record against them all time. Wow. So uh, Texas, that will be a very fun game. That will determine uh, the Big Twelve. I think it'll probably be OU Texas in the Big Twelve championship. And whoever wins that, probably going to go to a uh, college football playoff. One of those teams will probably have one loss. I don't think it'll matter. A uh, winner goes to the college football playoff. And if OU makes it, I mean, the law of averages has to be on OU's side, right? They've got to win at least one out of the last five times. you got to go one for five. Come on. It's got to happen. You'd think so. You'd think so. Well, all right, Braxton. Hey, um, I'm going to let you go, man. Thank you for taking the time to stop by and talk to us about Oklahoma football. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again as the season progresses. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, make sh- everyone, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Burgers Brots and anywhere else you get your podcast at Burgers Brots. Bruce, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks a lot, man. Take it easy. You too. A new record just got set last week in the NFL opener. What was it? Was it most points scored in an opening weekend? Nope. Most touchdown passes thrown in the NFL in an opening week? Nope. Most teams scoring 30 points in an opening week? That makes a lot of sense since they don't like defense anymore. But nope. So what was it? It was a record you probably would never think about. But this is one that's important to me and a lot of other people in this country. Ten black quarterbacks started this weekend. 
That is an NFL record. Ten black quarterbacks all starting on the same NFL weekend. And to open the season, nonetheless, that's awesome. There was a time when black quarterbacks almost never got the opportunity at the position. Why? It was widely held that black people lacked the intelligence, the leadership ability, the skill set to play the position of quarterback. Quarterback is essentially coach on the field. And many people, unfortunately, didn't want to give an African-American player the opportunity to be that coach on the field or to be that leader, whether it's because they didn't want him to get the credit if the team did well, or if they just didn't want to put an African-American in the position of telling a lot of other white people what to do. That's just not something this country has been built on, and that's something that they didn't want to see in sports. So it took a lot of time to get over that. But it's happening. And black quarterbacks over time have proven those narratives wrong. If you think about all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, think about the fact that a lot of the top ones are black. Last year's Super Bowl champion and Super Bowl MVP, Pat Mahomes, is black. He was also the league MVP two years ago. Last year's league MVP, Lamar Jackson, black. One of the statistically best quarterbacks ever, Russell Wilson, who leads the league in touchdown passes over the last three seasons without elite weapons. Black. Deshaun Watson just got paid pretty much max money. Black quarterback. A lot of people, not me, have Dak Prescott on the verge of being an elite quarterback. Black quarterback. Kyler Murray is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And Cam Newton is in New England with the best coach ever, not to mention he's also a former MVP. The quarterback position is in a place where we have never seen it before in the NFL. It's amazing. So Tom Brady had a tough opener in New Orleans and a lot of people are kicking dirt on his grave and they're loving it. Why don't we let Fox Sports 1 radio host and longtime sports writer Rob Parker tell us how he feels about Tom Brady. Stop living in the past. Tom Brady is washed. And you saw Exhibit A. Brady finished 23 at 36, 239 measly yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, a fumble, which he recovered, but it was a fumble. Also had, uh, was sacked three times, quarterback rating of 78. And uh, Brady looked old and didn't look good. Okay, 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 Rob, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> but come on, no, let's be real here. This is the first time in 20 years that Tom Brady is playing in a different place. The first time in 20 years he's playing for a different coach. He's got brand new weapons. He's still learning them. They're still learning him. It'll take some time. And now, not to mention, there hasn't been a preseason, so he couldn't get real live in-game action against opposing defenses with his new teammates and his new coaches and everything. That's all gonna take time, and that's not to make excuses for him. He knows he played poorly. We all know he played poorly. But the fact that he's the greatest and most accomplished quarterback of all time should buy him some equity, a quarter of a season, half a season, whatever it may be, before we start saying that it's over with and he's washed up. Um, the big story also with that is that Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady in the media after the loss in New Orleans. Why is that such a big deal? Brady's getting ripped by Belichick for years in New England. He's got thick skin, he can handle it, but number one, Belichick's got a lot more clout in the uh, coaching ranks than Bruce Arians. Now, Bruce Arians is very skilled offensively, has coached some of the best quarterbacks in the game, but at the same time, 
He just doesn't carry the fact that Bill Belichick, six championships as a head coach, two as an assistant uh, defensive coordinator with the Giants with uh, uh, Bill Parcells. So the fact that Belichick has done all that he's done kind of allows him to be the way he was with Tom Brady. But with that said, again, Brady's got thick skin. He can handle it. Now, I don't mind the argument that you don't rip your quarterback, especially a star like Brady, publicly. I don't mind that. But I do think that it might be completely overblown. If they talked everything out and everything is good, then we shouldn't make a big deal of it. And that's just it for me. I think it's that simple. The Thursday night game to start out week two. That was something that was very interesting to me because Joe Burrow is showing how special he is right out of the gate. And there's some reasons for that. Joe Burrow had 61 pass attempts in week two. That's the second most passing attempts all time by a rookie in an NFL game. Not only did he throw it 61 times, he was five of five on fourth down attempts, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Why is this so special in my opinion? In my opinion, Joe Burrow throwing the ball 61 times in his second professional game not only says how good he is. And if you listen to this podcast before, when he was still in college, you know that I always felt that he was outstanding. But we'll get back to that. No, for me, what's interesting about this is that it's an indictment on Jimmy Garoppolo. What does this have to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? You're at? Jimmy Garoppolo was in the playoffs last year on his way to a Super Bowl run with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they wouldn't let him throw it in winner-go-home situations as a six-year veteran in the league. Does that say something to you? One of those playoff games, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. Now, the argument is going to be the running game was working to perfection, so why mess with that? But if you have a quarterback you believe in, then you let him throw it. You don't have to run it so many times. You play complementary football, right? You try to stay around 50-50. And even if your offense is run heavy or pass heavy, you still don't deviate that much from one side to the other. It's insane. But again, that to me says, and I've said this before, the 49ers do not believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Joe Burrow's staff seems to believe in him much more than the 49ers staff believe in their guy, Jimmy G. It's pretty obvious up to now that Jimmy G just isn't that guy. But let's get back to Joe Burrow. He's legit, plain and simple. Again, go back and listen to earlier episodes of this podcast. I try to tell you guys, Joe Burrow is going to be really, really good. And even though they haven't both played yet, I believe then and I believe now that he is and will be better than Tua Tagovailoa. But that's a different story. It's just a different story. We'll, we'll get to that another time. Something to take note of. In his first two games as a pro, Joe Burrow's been hit 22 times. That O-line is terrible. It doesn't matter how good he is. If he can't stay upright, he can't stay on the field. And it's going to be real bad for him. The Bengals have such a special guy at quarterback. They better do something to try and get guys to protect him. Now, whether that's via trade before the deadline this season or in the draft via trade this offseason, they have got to do something. I've heard it said there's three things you need on a football team. This is what you got to do. You got to get the quarterback. You got to get the guy to protect the quarterback. And you got to get the guy to go get the opposing quarterback. On the flip side of the Browns and Bengals, Baker Mayfield 
looked pretty good last night. Now, he didn't have the kind of gaudy numbers that Joe Burrow did, but he did play a very solid game. And Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach, dialed up a pretty good game plan for the Browns. With two really good running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Cleveland rushed for over 200 yards and they made it easy on Baker, which is what you want to do, especially with Baker still being relatively young and now playing in his, what, fourth system in his three years in the NFL. So he's still learning. He's got a lot of verbiage. He's trying to figure out a lot of things. So I think making it easy on him in terms of running the football, which is often a young quarterback's best friend, and utilizing the play-action game, it's it's going to work out. It should work out well for Baker. Now, he did do well in the play-action game and had a couple of touchdown passes. But for him to really get where he wants and needs to be, Baker Mayfield has to cut down on the interceptions. He he now has thrown an interception in eight straight NFL games. That's You can't win like that, literally giving the ball away. You just can't. Another Cleveland Browns note. In the first two games of this season, the defense is giving up 34 points per game. Now I get it. It's a new staff and a new system without the benefit of the preseason to get quality reps in against other teams. And I get that, but they just have too much talent to be giving up points the way they are. And that's going to be something to watch. Finally, I know the Cowboys are always a big talking point because of the national draw that they are, but I'm not going to spend much time on them this week. They're 0-1. Dak Prescott didn't throw for 300 yards, and they lost to the Rams in the opener despite Ezekiel Elliott getting 127 total yards and two touchdowns. This is why I have maintained you don't pay Dak elite money. Why? He's just not a guy that can carry you to wins consistently. But I've spent enough time beating that drum. Giannis the Greek Freak is now officially back-to-back NBA Most Valuable Player. And with that award, he joins very elite company in being one of only three men to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. The other two guys in that club, Michael Jordan and the criminally underrated Hakeem Olajuwon. I'd say that's a club you want to be a member of. But there's also another club that he probably isn't happy about being a member of. MVPs who got bounced in the playoffs the season they won. Bird, Michael Jordan, David Robinson, Kevin Garnett, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Derrick Rose, and of course LeBron. Tough list, but not one you really want to be on. Regardless, the MVP, Most Valuable Player, is a regular season award. Notice my, notice me really locking in on that regular season because you got a lot of people who are arguing that LeBron should have gotten it based on what he's doing or has done in the playoffs. No, regular season award. But anyway, um, I'm glad the NBA media got that one right because they get a lot of things wrong. Anyway, let's go ahead now and welcome in our guy, AAU basketball coach, all-around hoops guy, and the Format Podcast official basketball analyst, Andy Noel. Andy, thanks for making time out of your busy schedule to join the pod again, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, good time. Absolutely. So here we go, man. We are now in the conference finals when it comes to the NBA playoffs. And the Battle of Los Angeles, who a lot of people, myself included, expected to see will not happen. The Clippers are done early. 
They blew a 3-1 series lead against the never-say-die Denver Nuggets. Andy, who's to blame for this? Is it Doc Rivers, the only coach in history to have blown multiple 3-1 series leads? Is it Pandemic? I mean, Playoff P, Paul George? Is it the cyborg Kawhi Leonard who came up small in the biggest moment like we've never seen him do before? Who's really to blame for that failure of the Clippers? And that's a monumental failure. Um, I don't know if I could say blame, but I think there's enough of it to go all the way around. Um, so the, the one thing that, in my opinion, that the other side of having such an uber-talented team is the possibility that you're going to have chemistry issues. And the, the, that was the issue all along for these guys all season long, right? They never really got an opportunity to gel. Um, I, I am a Kawhi fan, but Kawhi really takes a long time before he passes the ball. Uh, or before he decides to pass the ball as a coach. Um, I've always thought I've always thought that you have to, especially when you're the better player, you gotta get everybody warm and you gotta get everybody ready and you got you have to uh, make sure that y- your team is ready to go uh, when they get their opportunities. Uh, he has a tendency to hold the ball and, and up until the last couple of uh, seconds and then decide that he's going to uh, pass the ball. By that time, it's kind of late in the game. Um, Paul Pierce, not Paul Pierce, I'm sorry. Um, Paul George. P, I don't <laughs> know where Paul George got the name Playoff, playoff P from. He gave himself that name. He gave himself that name. Stop giving yourself these names, bro. I agree. Um, That's why uh, Nick Wright has now called him way off P. But you know, Nick Wright. Anyway, I, I was gonna say, who gave Nick Wright the who gave Nick Wright the right to say anything? Uh, <laughs> uh, that that guy's the absolute worst. But that being said, I think it was more of more of problem with chemistry than anything else. With that being said, Rick Buecher made a pretty good point in saying Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has been here before where he starts off pretty hot and teams make the adjustment and he has and he has the inability to make the adjustment after the after the opposition has. I watched every game up until game six of the, of that series and watched and watched um, Denver come back every time and uh, realized that number one there are times when you are just the opposition is just a bad matchup. The Denver was a bad matchup because they had no answer for Jokic, uh, and Jokic was hitting all kinds of crazy lucky shots. When you're hitting those kind of shots, you're gonna win. It is literally that simple. Well, I, let me and, stop you. I don't have an objection to Jokic getting off because you know he's in the zone. That's fine. But at that point. The opposition is Jokic and Jamal Murray. You got to take away one of them. So if Jokic uh, is getting off, then you have to take away Jamal Murray. And you have Jamal a team Murray that is un- you have a team I, that's built on being perimeter defenders there. Jamal Murray was on on a leash for most of the series. Who they didn't anticipate was Michael Porter Jr. Mm. He had no answer. He, he no one saw him coming, and when he finally arrived, no one had an answer for him. Um, there was no answer for Michael Porter Jr. He was the difference maker in this series. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. It, it was. It was not Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was under wraps. Uh, it, it was. It was Jokic, and then it was Michael Porter Jr. And then Murray came in afterwards. But 
if you ask me whose feet that it can be laid at, it has to be Doc Rivers. Um, and I actually think he's going to probably end up losing his gig because if you look at his resume, there there are a couple of these. There's when, yeah. he, when he was in Orlando, yep. when they were up on Detroit, he lost that. Uh, when they were in Houston and and they came and, and they ended up losing after after being up, I think it was three one as well, right? So you, you know, at this point, it's it's you've gotta gotta kind of look at the, the the pattern that's developed and say, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, this is not our imagination. Fair uh, enough. I think Doc Rivers Doc Rivers ends up losing the gig, but I don't know who we play. That's the problem uh, for me, and that's why I don't think he's going to lose the gig because I don't see a better uh, replacement out there. That's the thing. See, when you have a when you have a roster with that type of talent on it, you have to have a coach that's worthy of that. So Doc Rivers is a championship coach that buys a lot of equity, right? And so you got to have a guy like that. Forever, he's been there forever, but, right? And 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 he did, he hasn't gotten it done. Uh, the the other aspect of this is not only, I mean, it was this is their first year, right? So I don't, you know, outside of the media hype, I don't know why anybody thought these guys are supposed to win just because they just came, just because of the names on the roster. This is their first year playing together, right? There are, there's a lot of stuff that had to happen, you know, that didn't happen. How many player? How many times was? Did significant players lose significant time throughout the season? Then you've got a four-month layoff. Yeah, it's definitely an abnormal season, but I'm going to look at it and say, like me, I picked them to win the championship just because of the way the roster was constructed in anticipation of them playing the Lakers in the playoffs. And that roster was specifically made to slow down LeBron and really give him a lot of difficulty. And I felt that that was going to happen. I still feel that if they were playing the Lakers, that would happen. It's just unfortunate they're not playing the Lakers. Um, I I told you this before the season even uh, before the second season even started. I told you that the Lakers are going to win. But that's another story for another day. Another story. All um, right, let's move on. The, the, and, I'll, and I'll throw this one out for the conspiracy theorist. I've watched Paul Pierce playing a part. Paul George. I've watched Paul George's entire career. His entire career. I've never seen him tacked with so many, so many offensive fouls and so many fouls in the first half. I've never seen him in foul trouble in the first half as many times as he was in this series. So I say that to say this. When you when when you're watching those Ron James infomercials, also known as the NBA uh, commercials, uh, and you're watching all of the all of these ancillary um, celebratory um, posts every time the Lakers win, um, no that one no one thing. The NBA isn't gonna make this kind of investment just to watch the, uh, the 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 beneficiary of that invest go home early. I'll leave it like that. I'll leave it at that. You can do your own conclusion. Fair enough. Um. So before the playoffs started, Kenny Smith said that a team from the West, starting with a D, being either Dallas or Denver, would win it all. And everyone thought he was crazy, but hey, the Nuggets are still around. Jokic and Jamal Murray are out here showing how special they can be during the playoff run. And we know that the postseason is where legends are made. So the, the question is, how good are the Nuggets and can they do the unthinkable and upset the Lakers? Putting aside the conspiracy theory, just keeping it on basketball. Um, Kenny Smith is an excellent, excellent basketball analyst and commentator. He keeps it real. Uh, I think that 
I think they have all the components to beat the Lakers. They have length, they have athleticism, they have outside shooting. Um, it's going to boil down to what the referees do. And if these guys, so these guys have already shown the balls, right? So they're no longer looked at as a young team, given given the the, the three one comebacks that they've the back to back three one comebacks that they've had. I don't know if anyone else has done that in their NBA history. I haven't really looked into that. Uh, but they they if they have the same moxie in this series as they did in the last two, uh, they should beat the Lakers. Uh, they 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 have. They have shot blocking. They have, they have. Uh, Jokic is a Jokic is a tough deal. Uh, now I'm, I'd be curious to see what he looks like matched up against matched up against the White Howard and uh, and uh, and uh, Javale McGee. Right. I, I I would love to see what that looks like. I would let uh, Anthony Davis's length blanket him, but that's me. So now you got to worry about him. Now you got to worry about him taking Anthony Davis down in the paint. Anthony Davis is a tall, small forward. <laughs> yes, he so is. Don't, don't be confused. He's a tall, small forward. So, so he's if, if, if you do that, and I like Mike Malone as a coach. He's got some balls, and and and, and he's got some moxie as well. If you put AD on him, he's taking AD down in the post. Now AD's going to have a quick three fouls on. So, so that's not a good idea. The, uh, the the trick is to see if he can keep that touch from outside. If he can keep that touch from outside, because this dude would not miss. I wasn't he shooting that series. He had to shoot well over fifty five percent in that series. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't check the numbers on it, but he, just just he eye test, miss. he shot really well. He couldn't miss. Right, he hit every open three. He hit he hit everything it under under the three point line. If he does the same thing, it's over. Because because he just his his shot reminds me of mine, where he cocks it so far back, you're not gonna block his shot. You have to follow. And he and his passing is is ridiculous. I would venture to say if these guys have the same balls, excuse me, pardon me, and they carry that load of confidence, they sh- they should beat the Lakers. Uh, but you said no conspiracies aside, so that that means am I talking about the refs or am I, am I not talking about? No, we're we're talking X's and O's. We're talking basketball. Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right, so let's switch over to the East here. Um, the Boston Celtics are now down zero to two to the Miami Heat, and I'm telling you now, and you know me, and if you listen to this pod, you know me. I'm a Celtics fan since 1986, but they're not coming back in this series. Um, a big gripe I've a big gripe I've had with them all season long and for the last few years, they just don't rebound well enough, and Miami is just too tough mentally and physically, and boy, do they get after you defensively. And they have enough shooting with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero to hit threes and keep Those you honest. Boys can shoot. Yes, Those they can. Boys can shoot. Yes, they can. Duncan Robinson, I think, was third in the league in three-point attempts this year, and um, uh, he was one of the top in percentage and makes. So uh, yeah, they they get it down. So where are you on the Celtics Heat series, and how much chance do you give the winner, likely the Miami Heat, to beat the winner from the West? Uh, I agree with you. I told you this before the season started that Miami was going to win. Jimmy Butler is one one tough son of a bitch, and he 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 without a doubt on his team. If you watch the games and you watch the small things that everybody does, Andre Iguodala does his part. Um, you know, um, Crowder does his part. These guys are a bunch of tough 
really tough guys. Yeah. But the unsung hero here is Dragic. When when the team looks like they're falling asleep, this dude goes off on 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 some wild runs and 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 these wild forays to the basket, hitting these tough threes. It's, I don't know if it's because he's matched up against Kemba, and which which is why he's killing them. But he's he's been the difference maker here. Um, I if they play against Miami, I, I mean if, if the Lakers come out, I give them a better chance against the Lakers than I do against than I do against uh, um, the Nuggets. Against the Nuggets. That's interesting. Um, here's why: uh, Pat Riley and and uh, uh, and Spolstra. They know LeBron and Spolstra. Um, you got enough guys. Yeah. You got enough bodies. You got enough athleticism. You got enough moxie. You got enough shot blocking to now make LeBron into in, in, into a one dimensional player. And um, and you know and all his strengths and weaknesses. You know yeah, what he does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 So. Um, Again, right? <clears throat> AD's a tall, small forward. You put enough pressure on AD. So this is the thing that I saw in in the last series, and I and I saw in the in in, in uh, who did they play first? Who the Lakers play in the first round? The Lakers played Portland oh. in the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they played uh, Portland, right? Um, when AD struggles with a double team, um, this is why I say he's a tall, small forward. He's not really he's not he's not a real big man. He's not a real power forward, right? Uh, he needs he needs these switches and mismatches. Um, now the challenge is on the other side. If if you go tall, if you go long, if I mean if if Miami Miami's going to have to be careful with their lineups because if if Miami if Miami puts Bam against AD, Bam wins that matchup. He's athletic. He's quick. Um, and he can he can he can he can defend him one on one, but I think Jay Crowder matches up. Jay Crowder plays the four, and that's 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 a little bit little different. Um, but I, I as I said, I think Denver has a better shot against Miami than the Lakers do. The the, the here's another thing as well. I think the the talking heads <clears throat> don't play this up enough. It doesn't matter what your seeding is. A lot of times, it's just the matchup, mm-hmm. right? Some guys you just match up better. That that you know that Golden State that we believe Golden State team that took out Dallas. They were they, they were just a bad matchup for Dallas. Who took them out? San Antonio. San Antonio beat them, right? Yep. Yeah. So so now San Antonio played against Dallas. Dallas would have gave them some headaches, right? So so it it comes down to matchup. Yes, right? it definitely so, does. So. so the idea, there are certain players, certain teams that have nightmare matchups. You just said it earlier. The Clippers were made to beat LeBron. Why were they made to beat LeBron? Because they have able wing defenders, able agile, agile uh, athletic wing defenders who would make LeBron have to play defense. And if LeBron has to play defense, his offense is going to suck. So it, it's there are teams that are just simply bad matches for other teams. So what the what their records say and where they're seeding has very little to do with it. Fair enough, fair enough. So finally, before I let you get out of here, Andy, gut feeling. We've heard Giannis say there's no chance he tries to leave the Bucks, and it sounds honorable, but we talked about this briefly last time you were on. But um, does he stay? And if so, are you starting to see any moves yet that Milwaukee can make that can help get that team to the finals or even the championship? Basically, get them over the hump and to the next level. Uh, so 
I, I heard his acceptance speech. Actually, his, his uh, Ernie from uh, TNT interviewed him and asked him, you know, about his his plans. And I think I started to hear a little bit of a shift. A little bit of wavering. A little bit of shift in terms of possibly him him considering other options. Mm. Milwaukee can't make any moves. They're, they are they're they're strapped financially. And they just don't have the players. Eric Bledsoe's not a good not a good compliment to him. And Chris Middleton, Giannis is actually not a good matchup. It's not a good it, it's not good chemistry wise for him. Uh, you would have to get yourself a new coach. Uh, uh, you have to get yourself a new coach and some other players. I don't think he fits in my Milwaukee. I think Giannis is not. I don't think. I don't think Giannis is a. Giannis is not a. A uh, is not your franchise level player from an offensive standpoint. He can do it all, but he is not your. He, I don't want to say he's not your cornerstone because obviously he is um, for them. But I don't think he can be the focal point of your offense. Not to he win a championship. No, that. I agree. I agree. So, so in my opinion. In my opinion, and obviously not my opinion alone, because I've seen this in other places as well. As of recent, Golden State makes the most sense for him, and Golden State makes the most sense for Milwaukee as a trading partner. Right. Um, I remember we talked about so, that. Yeah. So, so just given given their assets, given what they're able to offer, um, it, it, it it makes sense. Uh, the the question is, you know, is is Milwaukee is is Giannis going to get to the point where he says, "Hey guys, like I, I've done everything I could over here. Thanks, but you know, it's time to go." Yeah. And go to stage where I want to go because yeah, I, I don't know. Did we speak about this on the last time? When we I, did. When I said why we did. Yeah. The most- yeah, we did. In terms of okay. the spacing and being able to mask his flaws, we did. But um. But also, also because you because of the collective IQ of the of have some really, really smart players in, in that would accentuate what his strengths are while mitigating his weaknesses are. Fair enough. So we'll we'll leave it right there, Andy. Um, I'm going to let you go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks again for, for taking the time, as always, to uh, be the Format Podcast official hoops analyst. And um, enjoy the rest of the conference finals, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Bruce. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it, man.